Welcome to We Are SC Game Day. This is Eric McKinney, uh, joined by Greg Katz. We'll bring Daryl Rideau in a little bit. Greg, a big week. It's Notre Dame week. And even when USC right now sitting at three and two unranked, even when sort of either team is scuffling, it, it means a whole lot to play against Notre Dame, for Notre Dame to play against USC. Uh, th this is one of those rivalries. Maybe there's five in the country that sort of get talked about uh, in terms of what Notre Dame USC means. I want to jump right into it. And, and, and again, this is a special week because it's at Notre Dame. And, you know, you, you love playing in the Coliseum. You love watching USC in the Coliseum. There's something about seeing those USC away uniforms take the field in South Bend, Indiana at, at Notre Dame Stadium. You've been to, to a few of them. What, what are your thoughts about specifically away games in this rivalry when USC goes to Notre Dame? It, you know, the, the word that I, I, I tend to use is it's overwhelming. It is so real. I mean, whether you like the movie, Rudy, for the, you know, there's a sense that, uh, you know, it's a Notre Dame fan flick. All the scenes you see in Rudy are right on. It's 100%. It is, it is better than what it's built. I've been going to every one of them since, oh, I think about 1995. And every time I go, it's like the first time I'm going. It is that good. And I feel compelled. It's like a midget. It's such a little campus. But the iconic things of the Golden Dome, especially at night when they light it up, and, the, you know, the, the grotto where the people of both SC and UCLA come and they kneel with all the candles and the St. Mary's Lake. I mean, it's just one iconic place. And, of course, Touchdown Jesus is like the ultimate uh, selfie photo. You know, it's almost like two things are happening at the same time. The first thing is spending time at Notre Dame and, and, and looking at all the really cool stuff it is. You feel very serene. But the spirit is unbelievable. When the marching band of Notre Dame uh, assembles about, oh, a half a mile away, they go through a spirit line that looks like the Trojan Walk, except for a half a mile. It is really intense. It's really great. And that's what I love about college football. The thing about Notre Dame Stadium is when I first went, they had not made the additions. And my first thought was I went in there and they had wooden benches. They weren't comfortable. But you were so on top of the field that it seemed like the last row would be like the middle row, middle section of the Coliseum. You're that, you were that close. You could see it. And when they, they did a great job of renovating it without taking away any of the tradition inside. When Notre Dame plays SC, the fan reaction from the minute the teams come out to warm up, it's like it's all in. And it makes it exciting. Now, in the old days, of course, SC and Notre Dame used to run out on the field from the same tunnel. That kind of they have their iconic tunnel, like like the Coliseum does. But for whatever reason, they redid the locker room for the visiting team. And what fans will see those on TV and those who are fortunate enough to be at the game, SC is going to come out of a I, I tell you what, like a closet. I mean, you can't even go two by two. It's almost like you have to go single file to get out there. And it's uh, you know having been on the field and seen that 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 new tunnel it's almost claustrophobic it's almost like you're going to scrape your shoulder pads against each side of the wall but leading up to the game it is just the best of the best and even Notre Dame fans tell me when SC comes to play at Notre Dame Notre Dame Stadium really rocks and of course the night game I check the weather I, you know I've been trying to put on the travel guide for we are SC 
I hope some fans will take a look at it. I keep updating the weather. They say it's going to be a high of 51. Well, 51 might be at 4 o'clock. So by the time it kicks off, it's going to be 47, and it's going to be going down as the, you know, into the fourth quarter, and it can get really, really cold. I share a lot of your sentiments. It, it almost feels like when you go to Notre Dame for this game that there's kind of two different parties. I mean, it, it feels like you have the pregame stuff, and then by the time it's it, it's time to go into the game, you almost forget that you're there for the game because there's so much stuff that you can pack in sort of around, you know, in and, in and off campus uh, right there at Notre Dame. And, and then you walk in and you get in the stadium and it just is, is one of those feelings. You know, it, it's there are some nice stadiums, you know, around college football. I think when visiting fans probably come to the Coliseum and step into the Coliseum, they get a, a much similar feeling. It, it's really fun to go in there and, and to be a part of that. I was there uh, as, as a fan for the 2005 game. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the, you know, the pinnacle of may, maybe any USC Notre Dame game. I'm sure you can go back farther than that and, and find some great ones too. The Coliseum has hosted a couple of them. Uh, but, but for me, I, I'll never forget that. The, the 2005 game at the end, and really it was this sort of, it ended and then you almost didn't have any time to celebrate in the stadium. You had to kind of get out and, and go and you just sort of took that celebration all the way up. We'll see what happens this year. But, but again, sort of this is one of those games where memories are made. And again, it's nice if it's, you know, a one versus two or a couple undefeated teams, uh, whether it's mid-October or all the way toward the end of November. But USC, like last year, has a chance to really kind of take apart Notre Dame's season. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where if you're not playing, you know, for a national championship, it's sometimes fun to play to ruin, you know, Notre Dame's chance uh, at potentially a national championship. They have the one loss to Georgia, but haven't truly really been tested any game outside of that. We'll see what USC can do. And, and Greg, I want to go right into kind of looking at USC's offense against Notre Dame's defense, for me, it, it's, it's turnovers. I, I, and, and that's as simple as it is. I, I'm going to kind of cede the floor to you here to talk about kind of what you're looking for, maybe what you expect from the offense. I, I, I think it's pitching a shutout when it comes to turning the ball over, coming away with zero turnovers in this game, whether it's interceptions, whether it's fumbles. For me, that, that is the number one point, and maybe there isn't a number two. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I listened to Clay Helton talk, and he, he basically echoed, you got to play a clean football game or you're going to be in trouble. The thing about this Notre Dame team is their defense is so good, so well coached, so disciplined. If you watch the Georgia game, it was a slugfest. I think this Notre Dame defense probably is in the top three or four most physical defenses in the country. And when you talk about what concerns me, what concerns me is that, USC, uh, with Slovis coming back off of a concussion protocol, you know, they're going to look at him like fresh meat. They're, and you know what? What I don't know, I don't think anybody knows, maybe even uh, Keaton Slovis doesn't know, how he's going to react. Is he going to be gun shy? Because they're going to come after him. And whether this offensive line can keep him vertical, because we know he's not going to run around like, like Matt Fink. Uh, I, I will say, I'll be honest with you, I, I have a lot of concerns about that. You know, I don't know. You know, it's like getting hit in the head uh, by a baseball if you're a major league player. 
you know, you just can't come back to, to bat against a 100-mile-an-hour pitcher and not think about, boy, if I get hit in the head again. And remember, that Slovis has had two consecutive years of concussions. He had one his senior year in high school. Then he's come to SC. And uh, I, I'm not about to say I can get into his head. But what SC has to do in offense is they've got to, they've got to really protect the ball. I totally think turnovers. I mean, Helton says we'd be 5-0 if we didn't have turnovers. Well, I don't know if I would go along with that. But what I will say is at Notre Dame Stadium, once it's – I mean, it's already rocking. But I was also, too, at that 2005 game. And I think you probably backed me up. When that Notre Dame crowd really senses blood, it's like an insane asylum inside that stadium. And, uh, you know, unless you have Matt Leinert and Dwayne Jarrett, you know, hardcore veterans, and Slovis is not a hardcore veteran, you know, you're really going to be challenged. And just two years ago, USC took Sam Darnold back to Notre Dame, a fumble on the very first USC offensive play of the game, and that was it. I mean, it was just, like you said, Notre Dame and their fans, they just get rolling downhill. It's 28 nothing. At halftime, final score is 49-14. This absolutely, if you throw in, they, they had three first-half turnovers in that game. If that happens, this Notre Dame team absolutely could get rolling like that against this USC offense. I think for me, looking at how the USC offense matches up against the Notre Dame defense, the, those two defensive ends, uh, Julian O'Cara and, and Khalid Kareem, for Notre Dame, Tackles for loss, sacks, that kind of thing. You, you really have to be able to kind of take them out of the game. And whether that's great play from the offensive tackles or whether that's Keaton Slovis getting rid of the ball, I think that's going to be important. He can't, you can't have those plays where, you know, you, you don't want to throw to your first option. You don't want to throw to your second option. So you hold and hold and hold because he's coming from behind you. And that ball, you know, has a chance of getting out. That's something where the offense has to be kind of on point every single play because you've got two defensive ends that are really gunning at you the whole time. And then you've got a, a defense overall against the USC run game that just chalks up tackles for loss, 45 tackles for loss. Uh, opposing teams have over negative 200 rushing yards. Just when you, when you count in, you know, tackles for loss and, and sacks, they get upfield, and when USC runs those kind of stretch runs, we've seen them work for big games. We've also seen them get shut down in the backfield. I'm curious if the offensive line can sort of hold up on those plays to let the running back get out, really first get out of the backfield and, and start getting up the field. I think, for me, that's it. And like you said, that offensive line, how they can handle that front four for Notre Dame and really the edge rush and then the extra guys that they're going to send to try to get into the backfield, which is what they've done all season, how it holds up against their, what, what do you think about sort of Keaton Slovis throwing the ball? I mean, this is a talented Notre Dame secondary and we've seen, even when teams are dropping eight, USC still wants to throw the ball. They still want that passing game to kind of be their first, first mode of attack. Well, you know what? You'd like to think that there's parts of the Notre Dame defense that is weak. You'd like to say, okay, the front seven's really strong, but the secondary is, you know, you can attack that secondary. That's not the case. They're, you know, usually Notre Dame is not so fast in the secondary. They're physical, but no, this is this is not your this is not your typical Notre Dame secondary. And the fact is, is they've proven it 
against even in Georgia. You know, I mean, they're, they're just that good. Now, the key is you want to get Slovis off early, but are they going to try to jump the routes? Are they going to try to say, okay, they'll, they'll throw some quick outs and we'll jump it and there's a pick six? You know, it's really going to be a mind game. Now, here's what I know. What I do know is that SC will script the first 10 to 20 plays. And that never seems to be, you know, a real problem. They seem to always like, boy, they're really coming out now. I get more concerned after the 10th or 20th scripted play because then it's the game of chess between Graham Harrell and the Notre Dame defense coordinator who's got a lot of, a lot of people that think he's pretty, darn, he's pretty darn good. So the bottom line to it is, is that in the end, uh, you have to take a look and say they're going to have to be very careful on what they run. They're going to have to be very careful in the plays they call. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I agree with you. The, if Slovis has to start reading one, two, three, and then throw it, he might not get the three. You know, I mean, we it, look, at. there's been two quarterbacks that have been knocked out, okay? Uh, I think the recipe to get to SC is uh, pretty easy. Go after the quarterback, and we'll just, uh, you know, tighten the, the coverage. Or, you know, we'll drop eight. And I think one thing to really look at, Eric, is to watch what Notre Dame does at the nose tackle. If they start shading over and they start going uh, against uh, Nealon and Nealon has a problem and Notre Dame can get through that A-gap, there better be some farmer's insurance out on uh, Slovis. I'll tell you right now because they're going to test uh, Nealon and they got the defensive tackles to make it happen one-on-one. That, that's, for me, kind of the biggest question going into the game. I, I'm really curious to see what Notre Dame does. Graham Harrell has talked about, you know, the, the three-man front that they saw a ton against BYU and a ton against Washington with just openly sort of saying, we've got eight guys dropped back. That's, that's what we're going to do. Notre Dame doesn't do that, and Graham Harrell has said that teams who don't – teams that don't do that, teams that don't typically do that, he doesn't really expect them – to do that he doesn't expect them to kind of change things up week to week and throw that look against USC I, I would cert- if I was an opposing defensive coordinator I would certainly do my best to at least give some kind of look you know in, in terms of getting those three guys and, and dropping eight just you know if, if it's kind of an early third down play or a second and long or something like that uh, I'm really kind of interested to see if that plays out the way – and maybe Graham Harrell is thinking, hey, let's, you know, tease teams into doing this. But that, for me, is kind of the biggest question of what does Notre Dame do defensively? Because if they just try to rush four and USC can kind of handle it in the passing game like they did against Utah, who had another, you know, just a terrific defensive front, if they can handle that, then maybe there's some some space to operate and you've got sort of not now if you're throwing against six or seven, you know, in the, in the backfield, you can get something moving there. I, I don't know. That, that to me is kind of a, a question that I'm really interested in seeing just in terms of kind of how the schemes play out uh, against each other, Notre Dame defense. And, and I think what our viewers are going to have to watch is they're going to have to watch to see if SC finally runs some screens finally run some draws, finally run some misdirection. If there's ever a game that you want to see those three things come out of, quote, that famous toolbox, this is the game that they're going to have to do it. If I don't see that happening, big trouble, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm also curious to see, Keaton Slovis has certainly, 
he gave kind of some lip service to playing at Notre Dame Stadium. It's, it's a big game, you know, the rivalry, all that, but they sure don't seem to be taking it like it is, you know, like we talked about, we, we kicked off the whole thing talking about, you know, what it is to kind of just be a spectator in, in Notre Dame Stadium. I'm curious to see how the true freshman reacts to what I'm sure he's, he's not ready for. I, I don't mean that he won't be able to deal with it. I just mean I think it's going to be bigger than he thinks it's going to be in terms of uh, emotion and noise and, and how the crowd can affect the game. We hear from Clay Helton and Graham Harrell all the time. He's ready for it. He's ready for the moment. There's no you know, circumstance that's too big for him. I'm curious to see how he gets off uh, on that start. And the quarterbacks, again, aside from Keaton Slovis getting hit on that second play against Utah, but they've done well on that first the, the first offensive drive um, really all season. They, they've kind of found success. So I'm curious to see how quickly he can get settled in uh, against, again, what, what we certainly both think is going to be a high-pressure Notre Dame defense. Let, let me just say something we talked about off-air. You know, Clay Helton said early this week on Trojan Live's show that to walk into Notre Dame Stadium and look around and when it's full, the freshmen are wide-eyed and they're the wow factor. He's saying everything, and he's absolutely 100% right. What I don't understand is, and Pete Carroll did understand, is why the Trojans, especially for this game, don't come in on Friday and do a walkthrough so that they can see what it's like. I've been there on Friday when it's, it's kind of like an aura, a real aura with nobody in the stands. It's just the lights there. They let you go down the stairs. They let you touch, you know, play like a champion that people see on the Notre Dame telecast. And it's almost like eerie. And I can tell you, when there's the game's on and you walk through that and they're playing the Notre Dame victory march and everything, it is freaking overwhelming. And I, I'll look forward to listening what Daryl has to say from a player's standpoint of what it's like to come through that tunnel at Notre Dame Stadium, not only, you know, in his many years of playing there, but the first time. So that, that's going to be interesting to me. Thanks for teeing that up. We're going to go over to Daryl right now. We'll bring him in. We'll talk Notre Dame and we'll specifically talk USC defense against that Notre Dame offense. <laughs> And now we will welcome in Daryl Rideau. Daryl, USC goes to Notre Dame. I'd, I'd love your take. As a former USC football player who's played at Notre Dame in that stadium, what, what does the rivalry mean to you, uh, both kind of now watching it in, in games, but also specifically re really playing it and, and taking yeah. part in it? Well, this game has always personified why players are recruited by USC, want to come to USC, it's because of this game. I go back to 1998, um, being at the Coliseum when Notre Dame came to town and just watching the Coliseum filled with 92,000. And while that experience for me was magical, and it was one of the very reasons why I wanted to see Lou Holtz, you know, on the sideline at Notre Dame, it was actually attending South Bend, being recruited by them, having my decision come down to USC and Notre Dame, and ultimately electing to go to USC for all the right reasons as, as it pertained to my career in being a two-sport athlete. But it's just something magical about being a Catholic and going there and having mass the night before, and just the nostalgia of, of watching the leaves turn colors. 
the crisp of the air, but more importantly, the magnitude of this rivalry. And I've always said, when you prepare for Notre Dame week, you always bring your big shoulder pads, you, you watch a little bit more extra film, and you, the attention to details have to be keen, not only on the field, but in the weight room, you wanna properly get your rest. Maybe that week you stay off the, um, off the strip uh, over there off the 9-0. Do everything that you can to be well-prepared, well-equipped to go into a battle because it truly is a dogfight area. USC is taking a, an offensive coordinator in, in Graham Harrell that, that certainly doesn't have a lot of history with this USC-Notre Dame rivalry. They're taking a quarterback in Keaton Slovis, a true freshman. Same kind of thing. These are guys that have not been in Notre Dame Stadium when this rivalry is, is taking place. What do you expect out of them? And also, I'm curious, they've, they've talked a lot, uh, Coach Elton and Coach Harrell have talked a lot about the moment never feels too big for Keaton Slovis. They say, you know, he doesn't get that, that deer in the headlights look with his eyes. He, he doesn't have a lot of fear. They even talked about, you know, he, he threw three interceptions against BYU, but Graham Harrell said that felt more like an off day than something where the environment or, or you know, the, the atmosphere really got to him. As a true freshman, any true freshman, quarterback, running back, safety, anything, what is playing in Notre Dame Stadium do to you? And do you get the feeling that this really will be something where he comes out and it's, it's like playing in the Coliseum for him? Or, or do you think there will be some, some jitters or something that, that he'll need to overcome? Well, if you, if you don't have jitters, quite frankly, I'm not certain if you're human. So when a coach says that you, they want you even kill, it, it really boils down to, can you control your breathing? Can you get the anxiety down? But if you don't have nerves going into that game, then perhaps you're not ready to play this game. And for, for me, when I, whether I was a freshman or a veteran, I really respected the fact when the seniors pulled me aside and scared me about the preparation of the game really emphasize the magnitude of this game because all week it forced me to concentrate when I prepared. But fortunate for Keaton Slovis, the last impactful game that he played was on the road uh, against BYU up in Provost in what many would consider to be a very hostile environment. That hostile environment does not equate to what you are going to experience in South Bend, Indiana. I mean, they do everything from allowing the blades of the grass to grow a little bit longer that week. They, for some reason, the lawnmower must be out of gas because the blades are a little bit longer. They simply don't want the speed of USC to become impactful. That's happened in the past, and USC has complained about it. But in this game, if you are Keaton Slovis, and your most meaningful game was BYU prior to getting injured and going into concussion protocol, you have to wonder, are the cobwebs done? You know, um, what skeletons may perhaps be lingering? So it is going to be very important that this game plan allows for Keaton Slovis to get into a rhythm and kind of find his way into this game. But by all means, do not, if you are Graham Harrell, disrespect this rivalry by not preparing and implementing some form of a running game to create a balanced attack. If you're going to try to rest on the shoulders and the laurels of Keaton Slovis as a true freshman on the road in a game of this magnitude, you're doing this team and Keaton Slovis a disservice. So let's hope that they learn from past discretions and mistakes and 
this game plan becomes quarterback friendly by means of a true balance attack by getting the running game going early. Yeah, I, I think that'll definitely be something to watch. But let's go into to USC's defense right now. It, it feels like a defense that over the first five games of the season, it could be buttoned up a little more. But at the same time, if you came in to the season, maybe kind of it, not expecting a, a huge, you know, 180 degree turnaround with a lot of the stuff that we saw last season, it feels like they've done enough to, to win every game. I mean, certainly against Washington, you didn't want to give up 28 points, but you had so many short fields that, that it kind of becomes something where they're doing the best with what they can, what, with what they're given. I'm curious your overall take uh, on what you've seen from the defense this season, the direction it's going right now and kind of where you see uh, them being able maybe to match up with, with a Notre Dame offense that is, seems very balanced it relies you know there's clearly uh, a passing target there's clearly the number one guy running the ball there's a quarterback who can kind of do a little bit of everything but maybe isn't you know elite or great at anything right well here's the first thing that I'd like to say about this USC defense comparing it to last year while last year's defense had a ton of experience I thought had limitations at times whereas this group Uh, you know, playing and contributing a lot of freshmen and sophomores, guys that don't have a strong body of work, but are more athletic. And at times you see glimpses of where this program can be trending, where the leadership of this program at some point in the future can become the defense. Unfortunately, with the athleticism and the good, you also have to take the bad. And sometimes the bad comes in preparation, assignment, and alignment. And what I mean by that, Eric, is while a coach can put you in a position to make a play, the speed of the game, there is no substitute for that on-field experience of how quickly you have to decode the play and make your decision. We used to call that term, shoot your gun. Go when you know, react what you see. Trust your, your, your preparation and judgment. There were times against Washington where we, we noticed in the secondary in particular because of they were replacing the likes of an um, Elijah Griffin Jr. with a, a true freshman in, in Chris Steele and also um, Talanao Ufanga with uh, Chase Williams. There were times where just a subtle hesitation caused the play to, to open up. And that had very little to do with the, the defensive scheme that was called and more to do with the execution. So you hope that coming off of a bye week that USC had an opportunity to shore things up, getting back to the fundamental and basics, but, but challenging the players to trust what they know and play hard downhill. If USC is able to neutralize the early downs and keep a, a, a Notre Dame team that inside the red zone is 20 for 20, of those 20 attempts, 17 have gone for touchdowns. If they can neutralize the running game and put Ian Book into obvious long passing downs, I like USC's chances to match up. You talked about they don't wow you, but they're efficient at what they do. I'm more concerned about an offense that's so prolific that it features many of um, of key players. But in this offense, you got Chase Claypool at the wide receiver position coming in with four touchdowns. But you know that this offense is predicated on what uh, Tony Jones Jr. does at the running back position. If they can, again, neutralize that running game, and we all know that Notre Dame oftentimes features a very stout offensive line. 
So that chess match, can you get pressure with the forward, um, Eric, and be able to play games, create some matchups that you really like in the with the back seven? You like to think that that may bode well, but I'm not quite sure if USC can overcome early in the game the type of mistakes, considering how fast Notre Dame has got off against opponents this season. Yeah, I think a few things to watch for USC defensively. Uh, th this is a big, a physically big Notre Dame front, which it, it always seems to be. Talano Hufanga uh, on, on Wednesday after practice, he talked about the running game, just kind of anybody involved in the running game, and certainly Tony Jones Jr., like you mentioned, at, at right at the top of that list, but big, physical, and just wants to get downhill quickly. It's not a running game that sort of lets you shoot gaps and, and is moving a lot of east to west and, and where you can get into the backfield. This is going to be kind of big man on big man, and can yeah. you stop it? And really – that is that is something that the USC defense has done this year. When teams have tried to push them up the middle, save for that, you know, the, there was there was one long run against Stanford and one long kind of backbreaking run against Washington. But that, you know, that they've done a good job at that. I'm curious to see if Notre Dame really just tries to pound the ball between the tackles. Yep. Washington tried to do that a lot. They got rewarded with one big run. Again, you talked about. If Talanoa Hufanga is in there, maybe that's a different story, and he will be in there against Notre Dame. But I I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm also curious if Notre Dame is going to get Jafar Armstrong back, who, right, who's right. Their, their big play threat and really a guy where you talk about teams wanting to show a lot of motion, a lot of stuff in the backfield, a, a lot of pre-snap stuff. Even if he's not fully healthy to carry the ball a bunch of times or catch the ball, that's something that I, I would certainly anticipate yeah. seeing yeah. from Notre Dame. Just, just yeah. kind of some eye games, you know, for, for right. the defensive backs and the linebackers to deal with. But, but another thing that we should uh, pay close attention to, again, this is a copycat league. And with, Chip, uh, with um, Brian Kelly having all this time to prepare for the likes of USC, despite last, game, last week's game, they recognize the mistakes that have been made, especially when you start to bunch up those offensive sets and all of a sudden you get two combo routes from receivers. Will USC in the secondary in particular effectively communicate those switch-offs, those combo routes, if they can shore up those? And then also we saw during preseason a lot of Ray, Ray Scott, Raymond Scott at the nickel position. Well, this is quite the game to try to perhaps feature him in that rotation with Greg Johnson to get a bigger body in because you're, you are going to have to change up your fronts. You can't just line up and expect that Notre Dame won't have a counterpunch to you. So we're going to have to see some underfronts, perhaps a six-down lineman. The good thing about this, this USC team in particular this season, in their first four or five games that we've noticed up until now, what is the one thing that they face? They face the likes of a Stanford. Utah. You talked about Washington. These are stout offensive lines and um, that USC has been battle tested. And from what we know, this in particular, this USC defense is built from the inside out. So I like the USC's defensive chances. But again, can the edge rushers maintain those edges and force um, those running backs to play inside the tackles? Uh, it seems like Brian Kelly likes his running backs about 5'10", 5'11", to hide behind those 6'7", meat eaters. 
you know, because those guys are huge. And when you're hiding behind, you may not find them for seven yards up the field. Yeah, I think like you said, maybe some true four, three looks for, for USC against uh, a bigger set for Notre Dame. Uh, and, and then Notre Dame has a tight end. It's, it feels like every week yeah. USC is getting matched up. It's just kind of how the schedule is played out. You talk about all these teams kind of being tough and good. Well, even a, a Fresno State, a BYU, these guys, some of their best offensive players have been tight ends. Notre Dame brings another group there. And so the way – that that sort of plays out. You talk about teams kind of having triplets, and we mentioned you mentioned Chase Claypool, the wide receiver, Cole Komet, the the tight end who missed uh, the the first couple games of the season. He's only played in three games. He has 15 catches. That that's number yes. two on the team. So he's absolutely going to be a part of this. USC has done, I think, a a good job against tight ends, but they've also hit them for a couple touchdowns. Utah's tight end uh, grabbed a touchdown, and then. Washington's tight end had a couple big plays, not not a touchdown, but a couple big plays against them. So can you stay solid up front against the run and also, you know, the, the play action and, and take care of the tight end in the passing game, who's a real security blanket for Ian right. Book? And with Hufanga coming back, that frees up Isaiah Polamo, who who athletically matches up and fares well with the six four frame he's athletic enough and has faced different body style of tight ends where it should help him understanding where his leverage is and where to play but make no mistake about it in a game like this you need a healthy hufanga to play at the uh, the caliber of level that he demonstrated prior to his injury if you can get that type of production out of him that kind of shores up the interior part of your secondary now it comes to the athleticism of the corners to hold their own. If they can hold their own in man coverage, you talked about it, being able to go from, you know, a three-man front to a four-down uh, four um, defensive line and being able to, to, to play three uh, linebackers in the interior, that's traditional smash-mouth 21 personnel football that we grew up watching USC play. I love this game for all of its pageantries, for what it's worth. But it always came down to, you know, uh, who's going to wear whom down late in the game. But what scares me most about Notre Dame is, respectively, um, if you accumulate all the points that they scored, they do much of their damage in the first, first two quarters, scoring 54 points and 62 respectively combined um, throughout, you know, the season. They start fast, taper off a little bit, and then finish strong. So if you're USC, you have to avoid those – um, those self-inflicted wounds from the personal fouls and just those weird penalties that seem to really kind of prevent USC from being as good as they can. And we've said this for many weeks now, Eric, that this is a team that is yet to be able to play and click on all cylinders in all three phases. If, if, if there's ever a time for Clay Helton, it's coming off this particular bye week. You want to look crisp and polished, and you want to demonstrate that you've taken advantage of the bye week, and you have a team that's well-prepared to play in South Bend, Indiana. Give, give me your kind of the, the one key for you for the USC defense. For me, it's staying, staying stout against that inside run. I, I think if the, the USC defensive front, really those two guys that have been so good all year, Jay Tufele and Mar Marlon Tuipelota, with, with help from the defensive ends, if they can stay stout against that inside run and make Notre Dame go outside and do right. sort of other things and not get 
you know, four or five cheap yards every carry just going up the middle. I think that plays into USC's hands. I think Notre Dame thinks that they are athletic enough on the outside to make plays, but I'll, I'll go ahead and take those matchups where, where we've seen the corners play well. We've right. seen guys, you know, it, and, and it's one of those things, if you can sort of protect your heart, if you cannot let them go straight up the middle, even when teams are getting gains outside, I, I think you'd right. still take that and, and try to make those plays rather than kind of give it up right up the middle. So, right. so for me, that's, that's what I'm watching. I'm watching kind of how good USC continues to be up front because when you say that's your number one priority, you can't let another team take advantage of you. Absolutely. And what I'd like to see is USC be assertive and aggressive and take away something from Notre Dame. And for me, it's going to be the RPOs. When they run those fly series, those receivers across the field, and they try to stretch and fan USC out, can they remain disciplined, take away those key hot routes, or will they get sucked up and engaged if the running game for Notre Dame becomes effective? Will we see the, uh, the linebackers commit to try to stop to run to the effect where they're giving up those shallow crossers and those seam routes to the tight ends? So I'd like to see USC hold court in between the hashes, protect the middle of the field, and force Notre Dame to have to methodically march down the field. But also, I'm going to pay close attention in the first series. Can USC in the first three series, at least two out of three, get off the field with three and outs? We haven't seen much of that this year. But now, more, than, more so than ever, is to gain additional um, um, reps for the offense to allow them to get into a groove. Can USC reduce those chunk yardage plays and force Notre Dame to have to methodically beat them? Ian Book is very capable of scrambling in creating first downs uh, with his legs, but you want to force him to do it in the pocket and demonstrate that he's a pure pocket passer, which I don't think that that caters to all of his strengths, but by all means, you want to take away something. If you are going to take away something, take away those intermediate routes and those vertical threats by the tight ends. That's what I'd like to see in this game. Yeah, we'll see if the USC defense can kind of put it all together and maybe help carry the offense on the road uh, against Notre Dame. A lot of questions to be answered, but I, I think a lot of positives that, that we've seen from this unit, uh, defensive back, some of the linebackers, and really that defensive front too throughout the season so far. So after this break, we're going to come back, give our Pac-12 picks for the weekend. Greg, welcome back. We're going to get to some Pac-12 picks. And this is just a phenomenal weekend for college football. I mean, overall, this is one of those weekends where, you know, you turn the TV on first thing Saturday morning and <laughs> you look at your watch and it's like 2 a.m. Sunday morning. So, I, that you know, some, some big time games. We're going to look just in the Pac-12 right now for our picks. And we're going to start with the Friday night game, Colorado going to Oregon. And this is a game that, kind of can tell you what you need to know maybe about both teams and when you look at the Pac-12 South right now USC needs teams in the Pac-12 South to, to take some losses in conference so who, who do you see Colorado going to take or take on Oregon uh, I got good news for the Trojans Oregon's on a mission Oregon will destroy them uh, I think that uh, the fact that Colorado is lost now Okay, the fact of the matter is, is it's a Friday night. Autzen Stadium will be wild. Uh, I, I just think that uh, Oregon is, is, is really starting to get, starting to roll a little bit. 
And then I, I think one of the interesting games for USC fans is you have Washington going to Arizona for a late game on Saturday. This is an Arizona team that USC gets next week and a Washington team that lost to Stanford last weekend. And they were coming off a win against USC. How, how do you see that playing out? Well, you know, I watched that Washington game against Stanford and I was just blown away at how poor Washington played and how this unbelievable Stanford team with three freshmen on the offensive line and, uh, you know, third string quarterback. Uh, I think the key to think on that is really that Washington's a different team away from Husky Stadium. That being said, you know, Khalil Tate seems healthy. And, uh, you know, he can be a difference maker. I mean, it's not his best of seven game series. It's one game at Arizona. I'm going to, you know what, part of me says, take Arizona. But the other part of me says, if Washington plays as well as Washington can play, then Washington will win in a close one. But it won't shock me if Arizona actually does win the game, which would set up an incredible game against uh, Arizona the following week for homecoming uh, in the Coliseum. All right, and then the one that matters, USC going out to Notre Dame, your pick for the, the Trojans and the Irish. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> okay, so here I'll put it this way to you. There's two parts to this answer. It'll be a fantastic day at Notre Dame, and it'll be cold. That I can predict. My other prediction is, is like the old cliche, I don't know if it's appropriate, but the one where the person says, other than the – assassination mrs lincoln how'd you enjoy the play there's a reason sc is a big underdog i just don't see them pulling up and upset i'll take notre dame but i'll say this if somehow some way some miracle happens it'll be one of the biggest upsets at notre dame in the history of this storied rivalry all right thanks greg we're going to go over to daryl rideau daryl and i are going to give our pac-12 picks and wrap things up Okay, Daryl, let's get to our picks. Uh, again, like we mentioned, just a phenomenal weekend for college football uh, here on, on Saturday. Friday night's game in the Pac-12, I, I think is, is totally interesting to see the, where these two programs are going to go maybe the rest of the season. Colorado goes to Eugene to take on Oregon. How do you see that game? Well, you know, it's, it's very hard to go against the Ducks right now. They seem to be rolling. Um, they got off to a, somewhat of a sluggish start after losing to Auburn, but boy, oh boy, have they been rolling ever since. I like what uh, Crystal Ball is doing up there, and it seems like Herbert is playing up to that Heisman type of caliber quarterback that we all expected him to be. And I expect nothing to change. It's a very daunting task for the uh, Buffaloes to head into Eugene and try to pull off uh, a win up there. So I like Oregon, and I like him big by two touchdowns. All right, and then Washington uh, going to Arizona, an interesting game for USC fans, just played uh, Washington, and then Arizona comes to the Coliseum yeah. next weekend. Arizona-Washington, who, who do you have there? This is a tricky game for me, simply because uh, Washington is coming off of a very physical game where they somewhat got manhandled by Stanford. How quickly can they recover, lick their wounds, and put that game behind them? because that was more of a matchup game than anything else. And, and it seems like um, over the years, uh, Stanford and Washington has gone back and forth. 
but now you're dealing with the Wildcats, and this is a very unpredictable team because we never know how Tate is going to perform at quarterback. Will you get the, the Tate that's a dual threat and that can extend plays and take advantage of his weapons? So depending on how healthy Washington comes into this game, you would expect them to be the favorite, but I'm not certain that between USC and what Stanford has exposed, will uh, Arizona be just a walk in the park? I see this one being a closer game than many imagine. I, I see um, Washington pulling it off, but late in the fourth quarter by a touchdown. And then the one that matters, USC out at Notre Dame, your pick for that game. Look, it's really hard to go against a team that, at Notre Dame that's been putting up 41 points a game. And Clay Helton's uh, his record on the road has not been stellar. They've gotten blown out the last two years that they've been away. And perhaps there's much of the same. I hate to say it because you never want to go against, but logic tells me that this Notre Dame team is on a mission. And if USC, even if they do play a clean game, it's still a lot to ask for a true freshman with very little expectations as to what to expect to go on the road and expect to pull a game like this off when you're potentially going to be featuring just a passing game. If you, even if USC is balanced, this Notre Dame team is just too much to overcome. And I see the score being 41 to 24 Notre Dame. All right. So for my three, I'm with you. I'm going to take Oregon over Colorado. I, I do not like picking against the healthy Khalil Tate. I just have, I, I have more confidence in, Washington's defensive staff being able to put a plan together to kind of keep him tamed, maybe. I'm with you, and Greg said it as well. Uh, closer, I think, than maybe a lot of people would have picked uh, in that game kind of coming into it. USC Notre Dame, I am going to lay the reverse jinx hard right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I it, it feels like one of those games where Notre Dame uh, – the, the turnover margin for both teams yeah. at this point in the season, you sort of, you are who you are at this point. Notre Dame right. is phenomenal at holding onto the ball and taking it away from other teams. USC is just the absolute opposite of that. <laughs> it's hard yeah. for me to see that changing uh, in a stat that I, I feel is so important for this game. And that makes it tough. That to go along with what you said, the way USC has played, on the road, which is just not stellar. I mean, you've got two chances uh, this season, and I think you had two kind of winnable games. Didn't come away with either one of them. Again, like I said, hopefully laying the reverse jinx here. Um, but I, I just I, I see it as a big hill to climb for USC. They've got to get everything to go right. So I do think Notre Dame ends up winning it. Does USC have the talent to go and do that? Yes, no, they yeah. always have. They, yeah. they all, the, the last couple of years, yes, they have. Until they prove it, it's, it's just tough to pick against Notre Dame in this situation yeah. with this kind of USC team coming to Notre Dame Stadium. So we will see how it plays out. Again, the, the big game, I think, of the season, USC going out to Notre Dame to take on the number nine fighting Irish. For Daryl Rideau, for Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for watching. We are SC Game Day. Now, before we let you go, our Greg Katz was able to get over to South Bend before USC's game against Notre Dame and take in a little bit of the Notre Dame pep rally. So we're going to leave you with some of Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly 
during that pep rally getting his Fighting Irish and their fans ready for a visit from the Trojans. Thanks again for watching. We are SC Game Day. And about 25 hours away from kickoff. And, yeah. and I think we, we all know about the history and the tradition of the Notre Dame USC rivalry. And I can, I can tell you firsthand that this will be my 10th game that I've gotten a chance to coach in. And there's been some great ones. Starting back in 2010, when Coach Tommy Reese led us to victory. And USC. Or in 2012, when we went undefeated and beat them again at USC. Or one of my favorites was 2015, when Wolf Fuller just ran by everybody at USC. You, you get the common theme here. There's so many great players that have played in this, and I'm sure many of the people that are here tonight can pick out some of their great memories of watching this game that's played. You look back on the great coaches, the great teams, but it's about what happens in 24 hours. And it's about your team, your team that plays tomorrow in 24 hours. The team that you're looking at right now what makes this team special. First and foremost, they've got heart. They were down against Virginia at halftime, and they had no doubt about what was going to happen in the second half, and that is they were going to dominate their opponent, which they did.